Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. For more information about the church, you can visit us online at ToledoCalvary.org or follow us on social media at Toledo Calvary. Well, good morning, Calvary. So glad that you are here and those that are joining us in auditorium too. Thanks for being with us today. Maybe you're watching online or by way of television or the podcast. It's an honor to have you with us today and so glad you are here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Malachi. Malachi in the Old Testament, it is the very last book in the Old Testament. If you don't know where it is, go to Matthew and hang a left and you will be at Malachi we're in a series of messages we've called reverse engineering. We're, we're kind of looking at this concept of what do you want your life to look like? Like when you reach the end of your life, what do you want it to look like? And if that's what you want it to look like then, what, what things, what steps do you take today? How do you kind of reverse engineer that so that you can start living today in a way that you want your life to look at the end of your life? And we've, we've talked about our lives, we've talked about our faith, Last week, we talked about our work. In the next coming weeks, we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about our church. We're, there's going to be two weeks coming up, and I'll give you kind of a heads up on this. But two weeks in particular, we're going to talk about eternity. And I think these are going to be some special times for you to invite your friends to join you either in person or online. Here's, here's the big picture of what we've seen through this whole process. If you could design a life that you want, and you wanted it to look the way that you would want at the end of your life, Here's the big picture of what we found. Life is best when we do things God's way. Life is best when we do it according to his word, when we look at what he says, when we wanna live in his blessings. Life is best when we do things God's way. But here's the question for us today, right? This is what we're gonna kind of look at from a story in scripture. What happens when we design our lives our own way? What happens when instead of doing it God's way, we say, no, I'm gonna do it my own way. The context for what we're gonna look at here is this short little book in the Old Testament of Malachi. Malachi is not kind of at the top of the hit list when we think about scripture. Like a lot of people go to the Gospels or Psalms or Proverbs or they're fascinated by Revelation. I don't know that we're as familiar with the book of Malachi. Here's a little background. Um, if you know the, the kind of the big picture of the Old Testament, God said to his people, if you live your lives this way, I will bless you. But if you choose to do things your own way, well, there'll be a consequence. And he says, eventually, if you drift away from your relationship with me, you're gonna end up in exile. And that's exactly what happened. So the Jewish people had to go away into exile for 70 years into Babylon and then the kingdom of Persia. And they found themselves far from the land that they were promised. They found Jerusalem in ruins and eventually there comes a time when the people of God are allowed to go back to the promised land and they go back to Jerusalem because of the kindness of kings and the grace of God. They were able to rebuild the temple. They were able to rebuild the wall. You might be familiar with the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. The book of Malachi was written, they think, about the same time as those books. And here's what you see. If there ever was a group of people who had the opportunity to reverse engineer their lives, if there ever were a group of people who had a second chance, if there ever were a group of people who said, you know what, we get to start over, so what do we want it to look like? And if we wanna live in God's blessing, how do we have to live now? It was, it was these people coming out of exile, back to Jerusalem, they get a chance, knowing what could happen, they get a chance to start over. And Malachi has to write this book. He has to give them this prophecy 
It's basically, Malachi's basically a case study in, in life engineering gone wrong. And he looks at him and says, guys, there's ways you're supposed to do things. There's, there's ways you're supposed to worship God. There's ways you're supposed to live for him. He gets his practicals talking to them about their marriages and their family and how they live everyday aspects of their lives. And he really has a five-word message for them. Do you want to know what it is? You are doing it wrong. <laughs> right? If you, if you want God's blessing, this is the whole point of the book of Malachi. If you, if you want your life to look in a way where God can bless you, folks, you're he says, you're doing it wrong. So this is the point of Malachi, and there's one kind of segment of the book where he gets so practical, and the things he talks about here applied then, and thousands of years later, they apply today. And so today, we're going to use the book of Malachi as a case study, right, in how we should live our lives and to do this, we're going to hone in on one particular area that he talks about. It's central. It's kind of right in the, the middle of this book. It's very pointed, and it's very personal. And today we're going to look at this subject as we talk about reverse engineering. The subject is money, and we're going to look at a case study today on living in God's ways. Money, a case study in God's ways. And some of you are new to Calvary and you're sitting there going, I knew it would come eventually. Every church. I've seen TV preachers. Every church eventually talks about money. It's what they want from us. They want our money. And the truth is, as a church from time to time, we do have to talk about money. Because ministry requires money. Right? Right? If we're going to do the things that God's asked us to do as a church, at some point we need resource. And when you look at Scripture, we'll actually see this in a few moments. It, it's, it's very clear that resource is to come back into the church through people like me and you who give back to the church. Like that's, that's just kind of how it works. And Malachi puts this front and center, right? He, he says this is really important to our everyday lives. Now, I think it's important that you hear a, a few things. Like, today's message is not about getting your money, right? I've, I've come to terms with this in the last 20 years of leading here at Calvary. God will provide for the things he wants us to do. And I can tell you crazy stories. I can tell you the time when we didn't know how we were going to finish paying a contractor for a major project on Glendale. And at the last minute, we got a major donation that was just the right amount. I can tell you the time when we as a board prayed one night and said, God, we need clarity from you to know what you want us to do. And the next day, someone walked in unannounced, gave a five-figure gift and said, I think that God will use this to help confirm some things he wants to do in the life of the church. I can tell you about people who've told me over and over again that when they've been obedient in what God has asked them to do with their finances, they've seen his blessing in their lives. Anybody else? And I, I can tell you this very clear that the opportunities when we as a church, even like this missions we, we've talked about today, when we as a church have had an opportunity to bless other people, we barely cut the checks before God pours blessing back into the church. Like it's just, it's just something I've come to terms with. And I say this just about every time I talk about this subject of money. I, it doesn't bother me, right? I'm not uncomfortable to talk about it. I, I'm, I'm, I, I know that this is a, a part of life. I just wish that I could preach it somewhere else. And here's the reason why. Because I want you to hear what I'm going to say 
without any distraction that you might think it's self-serving. Do I get my paycheck from Calvary? Have for 25 years, and I'm so thankful. But that's not what this is about today, right? I'd, I'd, I'd love to preach this at somebody else's church <laughs> so that I can tell you today just how critically important this is, this subject of money is in our everyday lives and our spiritual lives. Look, I'm not stressing this today because we have some kind of financial crisis. Here's the reality. 2023, and we'll look at this at our annual business meeting coming up in March, but 2023 was a record-giving year in the life of this church, in the life of this church, and we celebrate that, right? I'm thankful for that. But when I look at that, I also know this, that God is doing some exciting things. Our Christmas services that we just had were the highest attended Christmas services we have ever had, right? So in many ways, we're reaching more people than ever. So if, if we're gonna do everything that God has put in front of us to do, if we're gonna pursue the opportunities he's given, if we're gonna be faithful and fruitful like we've talked about, here's what I know. Not only was, was 2023 a record year in income, I have a feeling record year in expenses will be 2024, <laughs> right? So the reality is this, this, this all matters, but today's not about the church and money. Today's not really about money. We're talking about reverse engineering, right? This is just a case study. Malachi's just given us a case study. Here's what we're talking about. Reverse engineering is choosing to live today so that you can have the life you want tomorrow, And the life that I want for you, and I I think I can prove today the life that God wants for you, is a life where you are blessed. That word blessed gets misused a lot, right? Have you ever ever heard somebody talk about blessing in a way that it sounds like it's more like Harry Potter than it is the Bible? Right? And we we have a tendency to view the idea of blessing through the lens of of prosperity teaching. And that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at... God's words, we're gonna look at what God says. And I wanna give you, as we walk through these these verses from Malachi chapter three, I wanna give you five declarations for a blessed life. Things that we see in this passage of scripture, not just about money, I think about every area of our lives, money's just a case study. But five declarations for a blessed life today. That if we will say these things, live these things in our faith, in our work, in our family, in our finances, that they will lead to a place where we can be blessed by God in the things that we do and how we live. So let's jump in. Malachi chapter three, verse eight. Here's, here's the first one we're looking at. Malachi is giving a prophecy from God and says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Here's the first thing I want you to see today. Number one, my life belongs to God. Number one, my life belongs to God. It's, it's a declaration, so will you say it with me? Number one, my life belongs to God. That, can we try one more time? Just because I'm lonely up here, all right? Let's, let's just, one more time. My life belongs to God, right? Why do I say that? Because you only rob something when it doesn't belong to you. So what you have, if you're hanging on to it and it's not yours, then you're, you're stealing. And God makes it clear in Scripture that our lives do not belong to him. Look at this, uh, Psalm 100, verse three. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So this is important for us to see. God is my creator. He's the one who made me, and I am his people. We are his 
people. We are the sheep of his pasture. And some of you go, I'm a little bit offended that he compares me to dumb livestock. But when he calls you his sheep, that's, that's a term of privilege. That's a term of intimate relationship. You belong to him. He loves you, and you have that relationship. A couple summers ago, I um, went for lunch with a good friend, and he called me up, and he said, um, can I pick you up at the church for lunch? And I said, that would be great. And my friend has a very, very, very nice car that he has worked very hard for, and he takes exquisite care of. So when he said, you want me to drive, I said, yes, please. And it was fun. Like we drove to lunch and he may have driven faster than the Lord allows, but I (laughs) sought the Lord for his forgiveness and we had a great time. We had lunch and we were getting back in the car and he says, why don't you drive as we were heading home? And what I wanted to say was, yes, please. But what I said was, "Mm, I don't think so. Like, I don't want to be responsible if anything happens to your car. Do you know what I'm talking about? And he insisted. And after a couple of back and forths, I finally knew I wasn't going to win and didn't want to stand on the sidewalk forever, so I got in the driver's seat. And then we drove back. And do you know what happened? Nothing, praise God. (laughs) Right? The Lord protected in every way. But I can tell you this, I have never driven so cautiously in my life. To the point, he was like, make it go faster. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Because I would feel terrible if anything happened to his car. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know why? Because that car does not belong to me. It's not mine. And then I got thinking about it. You ever traveled out of town and had to get a rental car? Well, that car doesn't belong to me. But I sure didn't feel the same way. Right? I mean, I wasn't reckless, but I got insurance. And at the end of the day, I don't have to look enterprise in the eye. What was the difference? Why do I feel different with a rental car than I do with my friend's car? Because I don't love Enterprise, but I love my friend. And if I love my friend, I'm going to take care of what belongs to him. You do not belong to yourself. You belong to God. He loves you, and if you love him, then that puts this whole thing in different perspective, doesn't it? In fact, look at this. The Bible tells us this. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So not only does everything we have come from God, everything I have comes from him, right? I, my life doesn't belong to me. Everything I have comes from him. And then look at this even further. First Chronicles 29, 14, David says, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Not only does everything I have come from him, everything I give belongs to him. It all belongs to him, even what I give. So maybe this is the best way over the years that I've been able to find to kind of explain this. When our kids were little, they all played kind of community sports, basketball, baseball, that kind of thing. And I can remember when our oldest, Clayton, was old enough to play Little League, But Chris and Evan, our younger two, weren't old enough yet to play. So we would go and we would watch Clayton play his games, go to the ball field, watch him play his games. And Evan and Chris always wanted to go to the confession stand. (laughs) Not the concession stand, the confession stand. And they'd say, Dad, can we go to the confession stand? And I'd say, no, we're Protestant. (laughs) 
They didn't get it, and so we went, right? And so we would go, and we'd get there. Now, they didn't have any cash, right? So I would give them some money, and then they would buy some Skittles or Starburst or, or you know, M&Ms or whatever, whatever they wanted at the time. And we'd go back to the bleachers, and we'd be sitting there, and I'd look over, and I'd go, hey, can I have a few M&Ms? And they'd say, no. <laughs> and I would say, well, why not? And they'd say, because they're mine. And that's when I would look at them and I would say, I am your creator. <laughs> everything you have comes from me. And everything you give belongs to me. So give me those M&Ms or you're never going to confess again, right? <laughs> like that's the th- right? But isn't this how we think? As prosperous adults, somehow everything I have is mine. When actually it came from him. And when I give back to him, I'm actually just giving him what belongs to him in the first place. So that takes us then back to that verse. Look, look at this, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. What's the idea behind this subject of tithes and offerings? Well, here's the second thing I want you to see, a second declaration. The first one is my life belongs to God. Here's the second one. Number two, I give God my best. Number two, I give God my best. Say that with me. I give God my best. Go ahead one more time. I give God my best. So what are we talking about when we talk about tithes? Barno, which is a Christian research group, uh, they polled U.S. adults and asked them, are you familiar with the term tithe? So two in five, 39% of U.S. adults indicate that they're familiar with that idea of tithe and can give a definition for what the tithe is. Another 39%, the same, said, nope, I don't know what that term is. And about 22% said that they're familiar with the word, but they can't recall its meaning. Heard of it, but I don't know what it is. So 60% of U.S. adults do do not know what we mean when we talk about tithe. So here's the the biblical idea of a tithe. A tithe is one-tenth of one's income given to God. So one-tenth of what you're given, what, what you make, from your paycheck, you give back to God. And you, you might wonder, well, how many people actually do that? Well, Barna did this research, right? So they asked that same question. And what they found is that 21% of Christians set their church giving at 10% or higher. So only about 21% of those who profess to be Christians say that they practice this principle of giving in this way, 10%. About 37% say their giving kind of varies and about a quarter, 25%, say they just don't give to their church at all. When they polled those that confessed to be very like, committed to their churches, practicing Christians, the number went up to about 42% that tithe. But here's, here's the bottom line. The majority of practicing Christians still are giving in lower or less predictable amounts than the amount that's set for us in Scripture. Right. So the Old Testament teaches us that 10% of all that we're given from God We give back to him. It doesn't belong to us anyway, so we give it back to him. And some people say, well, the New Testament doesn't say that. The New Testament doesn't teach it. Well, actually, in Matthew chapter 23, there's this this passage in verse 23 where Jesus says, you should tithe, right? Those those are Jesus' exact words. And he's kind of the authority, isn't he? (laughs) Right, so this is an Old Testament concept that Jesus confirms in Matthew chapter 23. So this is something that's good for us to talk about. And if these stats are right, at least half of us need to hear this message today. I, I didn't say it. 
Malachi said it. But half of us need to hear it because we're being disobedient. He, he says that to give our best, we give our tithes, and he mentions the word offerings. What's an offering? Well, an offering is a gift given to God over and above the tithe. Not just that 10%, but something that you give over and above the tithe. And, and some of us would say, well, I don't, I don't see in the New Testament where it says I'm supposed to give 10%. And actually, you're, you're not wrong there. The, the New Testament says give what God tells you. Don't limit him to 10%. He might want you to give more. Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Everybody smile real quick, because this is a sermon where people don't smile. So just be cheerful whether you're a giver or not. Can we do that real quick? Why? Because God will, will work in our hearts. How, what's this look like here at Calvary? Let's say you open the app or go to the website for the first time and you, you go to give. What you'll see come up is, is really three different accounts. And, and we've got others, but these three are the main ones. One is this general fund. And general fund is the one that is the tithe. That's how ministries happen. That's how the lights stay on. That's how our team is compensated. That's, that's the general fund. That's that 10% that we give. Scripture says back to the storehouse, to the local church. This is an act of obedience. And then there's offerings where, where we may give over and above. That's missions that we've talked about today. That's life change, which is our, our building fund. If you, if you don't know, back in 2020, we were all set to break ground and to do a facility expansion for a new auditorium and COVID kind of took us off track on that, but we are looking and praying, and hopefully before the year's out, we'll be talking some more about what that looks like in the future. So those things are, are offerings, and you, you see these different things. And before we, before we go into the next point, I just want to quickly say one other thing. We give out of obedience and devotion to God. When we give, our whole motivation is to give out of obedience and to give out of devotion to God, not because we're trying to Use or manipulate him. Have you ever felt used and manipulated? Isn't it wonderful? God doesn't like it either. So when we give, we give out of devotion, we give out of obedience to God, and get this, blessing is a, is a byproduct. When we give, there's blessing that comes, and that blessing is a byproduct that comes when we trust God with those things. So, so that takes us then back to our text, takes us back to Malachi. Malachi chapter three, verse nine. This is where it gets a little sticky. Malachi writes this. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. That's, that's heavy language. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. This takes us to the third one. Number three, I miss God's blessing when I do things my way. Say that with me. Number three, I miss God's blessing when I do things my way. Should we say that one twice? We probably better. I miss God's blessing when I do things my way. This is actually what we've been talking about through this whole series and this whole time, right? We've kind of had this matrix, this little graph that we've been using. And we've talked about how our life ends up in some different places, some different seasons, Sometimes it's what we call grace. Sometimes it's what we might call growth. Um, we talk about how in some seasons our life just kind of feels flat. And in other seasons, we may even find ourselves in a place where it feels like portions of our lives are failing. So what do we do when we're in these different places? And what does it look like? One of, one of the things that we've looked at here 
is that those things that are up top, that grace, that growth, those are the things that happen when we live life, when we do things God's way. But when we do things our way, when we insist on doing it the way we want to, that's when we find our lives in places where they are flat and when they're failing. In fact, we look at a couple other distinctions last week, that there's a thin line between this growth and failing. And what really happens is up here, we, we guard that growth through our integrity. But what happens is when we compromise, that's when we find ourselves in a place of failing. And if you, if you think that's true anywhere, isn't that true in our finances? Go ahead, start compromising and cheating in different areas of your finances, and it doesn't take long until you find yourself here. And the same thing's true over here in our finances, that there's these seasons where we are fruitful because of God's grace, but we lose that when, especially in financial ways, especially in obedience to him, we find ourselves in a place of apathy. So, so this is important for us to see. Look, if we want to live in grace and growth, we cannot ignore God's ways. That, that's not just money. Money's just a case study here. That's true in every way. Look, the Bible, the Bible talks about money in so many different ways. It talks about investing and generosity and loans and greed and the state of your heart and re- retirement and interest. We're just doing a case study here today, right? But what we see is this, that if you're gonna choose to do things your own way, right, you, you can't help but find yourself in these places. The green marker's a nice touch, isn't it? Here's the deal. When we do things our own ways, life is flat and failing. And, and I know that the tendency might be that some of you would say, look, Chad, I'm actually, uh, I don't tithe. I don't know that I believe in it. I'm actually doing pretty good. Financially, I'm doing pretty well. And are you going to say this about some of these billionaires that we see on TV? You think they're tithing? I don't think so. Here's the deal. Some people are gifted by God to make money. Isn't that true? But I know this. If you are not honoring God in those ways, then you will never, on your best day, you'll only ever be here. Look, no matter how much money you have, you will always be flat until you choose to do it God's way. You might say, well, I'm doing great on my own. You're doing great on your own. Think of how you'd do if you'd do it his way. You would be that much more in a place where he could trust you and he could bless you. I didn't say it, he said it. You're robbing God. Look, this this has much more to do with your life than just money, but you will miss out on your potential if you are disobedient. You you ever heard of a new restaurant? And you're like, I think I wanna go check that restaurant out. And then you talk with a friend, and you're like, hey man, have you been to that place? And he's like, yeah, I've been there. What do you think? And he goes, don't waste your money. You ever heard that? You talk to somebody and go, man, I saw a trailer for that new movie. It looks, it looks awesome. I think I'm gonna go to the theater and watch it. I talked to my friend, did you see it? And he's like, yeah, I saw it. Why don't, why don't you wait till it's streaming and you can just eat your popcorn at home? Don't waste your money. And some of you need to hear me say, you need to hear the Spirit say, you, you know the way that you're spending, the way that you're living, the way that you're doing your finances on your own instead of God's way? You're wasting money. Like you're missing out on the potential that God would want to bless you with because you refuse to do it his way and you keep choosing to do it your way. What kind of blessing are you talking about, Chad? Well, we'll look at this. Malachi chapter three, verse 10. God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. 
See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Number four, here's a declaration for you. God wants me to be blessed. Say that with me. God wants me to be blessed. Doesn't this sound like a self-help seminar all of a sudden? Go ahead, try it one more time with a little more oomph. God wants me to be blessed. That seems weird for me to say because I don't wanna just kind of pump you up or fill you with false hope, but these aren't my words. They're God's words. And when you look at this passage, we'll read more of it in a moment, 60% of this passage, there's just a little sliver about the curse. 60% of it is God saying, see how I want to bless you. He doesn't just say it in Malachi. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse eight. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God wants to bless you for you. He wants to pour out his blessings into your life. That's, that's the difference between grace and growth and flat and failing is if you will position yourself in a place, live your life in a way where financially God is able to bless you. Now look, I, I've, I've been in some places, I've heard some people say that almost it's, it sounds like that if you want to be saved, you have to give. Do you have to be Do you have to give to be saved, yes or no? No, you don't have to give to be saved, but the Bible tells us that a saved person will give. That's a part of of who we are. And that blessing that comes in our lives, it's more than just financial. Don't just think that when you're obedient, all of a sudden you're, you're filthy rich. Blessings come in a lot of other ways. I can tell you this, the blessings that I've seen in my life, a lot of times haven't been financial blessings. It's been the way that God has has come there in hard times, the way he's been with us in difficult seasons, the way he provides for us. I'll tell you this, I'm convinced that much of the blessing that comes in my life is not what does happen to me, it's what does not happen to me. It's God's protection, it's provision, it's the things that I don't know or I don't see. And understand this, you will still go through hard times, even if you're obedient. Can I give you a very silly illustration from just hours ago? When I got dressed this morning, I was wearing a different shirt. I had a very nice button-up shirt. And a half an hour before the service started, I looked down, and the, 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 the second little button that was right up here at the top was gone, disappeared. The devil took it, something I don't know, <laughs> right? And I looked down, I was like, oh, I gotta do something about that. And I went and looked in the mirror, and I looked like a retired Vegas lounge singer, just my, you know, my, my shirt hanging open, and I'm like, I can't. Can't, the, Lord's, the Lord won't help me like that. I gotta do something. So I started panicking. I was like, it's a curse. I'm not blessed. So I pulled out my app and I tithed right away and my button showed back up. Bless God. That is not how it works. It's not how it works. Even if you're obedient and you're giving, will your buttons pop, yes or no? Yes. But do you know what happened? I had peace and chaos. And some of our team just jumped to it and they said, well, how about this T-shirt? Because they wanted a shameless plug for CSM right there. But I don't care. Because even in the midst of what I did not want, God provided. Because blessing doesn't mean that it will always go perfect. It doesn't mean that you will always have what you need. Can I tell you what it means to be blessed? This is what scripture tells us. We just saw it there. To be blessed is to have all you need to do what God has called you to do. He's gonna give you all that you need. 
So can I tell you, some of you go, well, Chad, 10, 10% is a lot. And you're right, it is a lot. The government wants more, but 10% is a lot. Somebody, somebody told me in the atrium right afterwards, they said, you know, when I started giving, I couldn't give 10%, but I just started giving what I could, and then I watched God's blessing, and he looked me in the eye, and he goes, you cannot outgive God. So start giving something, and teach your kids to give. Do what you can, and then make sure you're teaching your kids to give. I thought about doing something today. Down in the kids' area, they have one of those old-school candy machines, and it's like on a stand, and then it's got the little glass things, and you put, a, you put a quarter in it, and then you turn the dial, and candy comes out. Do you know what I'm talking about? So they have one of those that's, that's there for the kids, and I thought about bringing it here and just kind of showing you that like, like, like there is a truth that when you give to God, like blessings come out in your life. And then I thought, I don't want you to think like God's your candy man, right? And that it will only be sweet things, and all you got to do is turn God's crank, and he'll give you what you want, right? So I'm like, ah, I don't think that's a good idea. But I checked with Pastor Lindsay, and I said, do you still have that machine? And she said, yeah. She says, but we don't use it much anymore. And I was like, why? And she said, well, because some of the kids had figured out that if they go up to it and they shake it, candy will come out. <laughs> some of your little darlings are robbing God. <laughs> some of you have work to do, Right? And for some of you, that's your same tactic, right? In moments of desperation, you just start shaking God. You pray louder. You say, God, why is it like this? Or God, how come? And you hope that if you shake him hard enough, he'll just somehow pour out his blessings. And he's sitting there and he's going, I promised you, I'll bless you. Just why do you keep doing it your own way? Money's just a case study. I don't know what else it might be in your life. It could be the sin you keep going back to. It could be the attitude you hold on to. It could be the unforgiveness that you won't let go of. And God's saying, I, I'm not just dying. I died to pour out my blessing. But shaking me is not going to do it. It starts with obedience, which, which takes us then. I, I just, I just want to show you this, 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 this last thing that we're going to look at. And before we do, can I tell you just a couple of things, right? Um, when you leave today, we're going to ask all of you to, sh to show us your W-2. <laughs> no, no. Strike that clip from the video. We are not going to do that. We're not going online to check who's giving. I haven't tried to make eye contact with, with any of you, right? None of you, right? I don't know. That's not, that's not what this is all about. I've preached about money a lot for some reason last night. I was going over my notes, and I just felt the Holy Spirit so powerfully that some of you need to hear this, and I wondered why. Why is this such a big deal to God? Why is this passage so strong in its language? And Why do I feel this today? Because if there is anything in your life that you're bound to chase after, if there is anything in your life that you're, you're prone to elevate above what it should be, if there is anything in our homes, our families, in our minds, in our jobs, in our lives, that we would have a tendency to make an idol, isn't it money? The unexpected bill can ruin your day faster than anything else. When you don't have peace about your finances in your brain, everything else is out of order. And God says, there's probably nothing that you make an idol so quick in your life like your finances. 
If that's the case, if you can trust me with your finances, then I can trust you with my blessings. I don't know if there's anything else in our lives that is a better reflection of our spiritual health than how we handle our finances. We, we got this little device at home that's this little blood pressure cuff. And I know it's not super accurate, but it kind of tells you if your head's gonna explode. <laughs> and if you're Rhonda and you live with me, you need this from time to time. <laughs> and what's cool about this thing is it, it will give you a, Vantage point is something that you just can't see at the outside. It's gonna show you the state of your heart and it's gonna tell you how your systems are working. That's physically. I will challenge you, I don't know that there's anything that will tell you more about the state of your heart than your bank account. If you see where your money goes, you see where your heart goes, and that tells you an awful lot. And here's what I know God would want to say to you. Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Remember, this is just a case study, right? We're just talking about money today. But this applies in so many other areas of our lives. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. But there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Here's what he wants you to know. Number five, when I give God my best, my life is blessed. Say that with me. When I give God my best, my life is blessed is blessed. That's not news to us. Isn't that what we read last week? Parable of the talents. The master says to the servant, here's five. He goes off and gets five more, brings them back, says, hey, here's 10. What does the master say? Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to give you even more. Say it with me one more time. When I give God my best, my life is blessed. Why do I share this? Because there are blessings in your life that you will miss out on until you are obedient. There are places in your life where you are frustrated that you don't need to be. Now look, I hope I already made my point. Are the buttons gonna pop at times in your life? Yes or no? <laughs> and giving doesn't fix everything. I don't think God's like some kind of cosmic slot machine that if you just put another dollar in and just, just kind of pull the holy lever, then all of a sudden you'll be blessed. But I do know this, that if you're frustrated in life and your finances are out of line, maybe that's the first place to start. If your marriage is struggling, it might be a good time to look into tithing. If your work is frustrating, have you lived your life in a way where God could trust you with more? And this principle is so much bigger than that. There are areas in your life where you look at and you go, God, I wish I could, wish I could get this promotion. And he said, I'd love to bless you with that. But why don't you start working with character in your life? And you say, God, I'm looking for this blessing. And he says, I'd love to give that to you. But first I need to know that you will trust me even in the anxious moments. And you say, God, I wish that we had more peace in our home. And he says, well, it would help if you'd watch the words that come out of your mouth. Like in so many times we shake God and we say, God, where's the blessing? And he says, well, if you'll start with obedience, I can't wait to pour out that blessing in your life. The Bible says this, when I give God my best, 
My life is blessed. Jesus says it this way, Luke chapter six, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why, why is this so important to God? Why is this so important to me? The best way that I've figured out over the years to explain it is just with a little story. My favorite musician is somebody that those of you under 40 have probably never heard of. He's a guy named Phil Keggy. Anybody ever heard of Phil Keggy? Right? Oh, we got fans. Come on. Phil is, uh, he's, a, he's a Christian musician, but he is world-renowned as one of the greatest guitar players ever. Rumor has it back in the day, somebody asked Jimi Hendrix, who never went to this church, but somebody asked Jimi Hendrix um, who the greatest guitar player in the world was, and he said, I don't know, ask Phil Keggy. Is that true? I don't know if it's true, but it's a cool story. Phil actually grew up in Youngstown, and I'm from Warren, which is right near there. My cousin, my older cousin, when he was in high school, would go and, and see Phil very young. And so when I got old enough, he used to take me to the concerts with him. So there's like a sentimental attachment to, for me, you know, and all of that. And he, I, I've probably seen Phil Keggy live 20 times in my life. I am, I'm not a Swifty, I'm a Keggy. <laughs> and um, there used to be a day when we didn't have YouTube. Does anybody remember this? Now you can literally just see anything that you want to see anytime you want to see it. But back in the day when our kids were real little, you couldn't do that. We didn't have, we didn't have YouTube. And um, I remember I had always thought to myself, I've seen Keggy live so many times. I wish I, wish I could see it on a screen. Wish I had, to, do you remember DVDs? Wish I had a DVD, Phil Keggy live. One Christmas friend of ours from out of town sent some gifts to our kids and we opened up the box and gave them their gifts and there was a there was a little package inside of there for me and I opened it up and I opened it up and it was a DVD that had come out of Phil Kagi live I did not care that it was Christmas morning I told the kids they must leave the room I put that DVD in and I sat back on the couch it didn't quite go like that but you know and I just soaked it in it was what I had wanted for so long as a true fan. He played the first song, and I wept. Not really, but you know what I mean. Second song. Third song, I picked up the DVD case, and I started looking at it, seeing what songs are on here, what's going on. And I looked down at the bottom was the copyright date. And it had been released. That DVD had come out four years before. And I said to myself, that came out four years ago? Why did I not know? Why did someone not send this to me sooner? Why did I, and I went from being grateful to irritated in about a second. I was not thankful anymore, I was just mad. And I'm sitting there going, I have spent four years of my life longing for this and no one told me. Why did no one ever tell me? And I don't ever want you to find out about the blessings that God wants to pour out into your life. And look at this pastor and say, why did you never tell me? 
Why did you never let me know that there was blessing that I could have had in my life that I missed out on? Why did you never let me know that if I had just taken those steps of obedience, I would have been amazed at what God would have poured out, what he would have trusted me with, what he would have done? This is not about your money. It's about the state of your heart. And there's things that God wants to, he says, I want to bless you. He just wants to know if you'll trust him. So can I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? And for some of you, this is not at all about your money today. Watching on TV, watching online, sitting in auditorium too, right here in this room. You're listening to this message and you know this isn't about your money, this is about your heart. And you've tried to do it too long on your own. And today you need to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I trust you with all that I have. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I just wanna pray for you. I know that's some of us today. Wow, thanks, thanks, thanks. You just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I can't do it on my own anymore. Anybody else? You raise your hand, put it right back down. This is between you and God. Yeah, thank you. Jesus, I give you my life. Yeah, thanks. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you know that Jesus is your savior and your Lord, or if today you need to say, Jesus, I give you my life, will you kind of loud and proud just pray this with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your son to die for my sin. And I ask today, that you would forgive my sin and be my savior. I give my life to you, my risen Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, look, if you prayed that prayer, especially for the first time and you're watching online or on a screen somewhere today, go out to our website at toledocalvary.org. There's a place you can click that says Jesus. We'd love to connect with you and help you to know more about what it means to live for him. If you're here in the building today, stop by our new here area. And uh, we've got friends there who would love to meet you, pray with you. We've got a Bible we want to give to you and just want to encourage you in these next steps in your faith. Can I, one last time, just real quick before we're done, would you bow your heads one more time? I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand. But some of you today, the Spirit has spoken very clearly to you. In fact, if the stats are right, half of us needed to hear it. To say, Lord, I trust my finances to you. Might not even be your finances. Money's just a case study. The Spirit's speaking to you about some part of your life and asking you to say, God, I, I trust you in obedience with this today. Lord, thank you that your word tells us over and over and over again, from the first book to the last, that you long to bless your people when we walk in step with you when we do things your way, which are the best ways. Lord, we don't want to build a life where we waste our money. We want to live our lives according to your word so that we know we can live in your grace and in your growth. So Lord, would you help us? If there's decisions we need to make this week, if there's patterns that need to change, if there's people we need to talk to, if there's things we need to make right, God, would you help us to live our lives in a way so that we can live in the blessing that you, you have offered to give as we trust you with every area of our lives. Lord, thanks that you love us so much. Would you help us to live these truths out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.